Welcome to Small Business Big Impact. These are lessons from the trenches of running a business with a multiple bottom line. Purpose, people, planet, and profit. Get the inside scoop on what it takes to succeed at using business as a force for good. Kemp Edwards has been dedicated to supporting, growing, and consulting businesses on a path to sustainability. He has taken several businesses from launch to become multi-million dollar enterprises, and in doing so, have negotiated partnerships and or developed programs for globally recognized companies such as Coca-Cola, TELUS, the UNEP, the IOC, FIFA, and Disney. More recently, Kemp has become the Chief Development Officer of Food Security Structures Canada. This is an organization that aims to help end food insecurity and world hunger by providing controlled environment growing systems, equipment, and support to empower people to grow fresh, nutritious, affordable food locally 365 days a year, regardless of location or climate. 14 years ago, he was able to set his mission apart from others by virtue of having a strong ethical and environmental dimension to his offering. These days, there are so many hot topics and an incredible amount of competition for intention in the marketplace. Kemp will share his recent experience with attempting to cut through the noise. So, in 2009... You started ethical profiling and you've been, you know, that, that's like, what, 15, 14 years later, 15 years later. 14, yeah. You, yeah. And you've gotten into a real groove with that, but you're now moving on to um, this project of Vertigro, which is about uh, food uh, security, right? Yeah, Food Security Structures Canada. I've actually taken a, a position um, as their their chief development officer um, for the parent company. And, and Vertigro is more of a um, West Coast uh, distribution um, side. It's it's something that it's a name we're sort of playing around with from a from a franchise perspective. But yeah, the parent right. company is called Food Security Structures Canada. Um, okay, and we've been building, you know, very specific designed architectural builds like capsules or if they're covered with earth uh, tunnels for growing uh doing vertical farming in um nice. and they're it's very different from the vertical farming that is out there right now because most of that is giant factory farming in humongous warehouses with enormous capex and robotics and ai and all sorts of stuff and it's just hard to make a go of that um and actually be profitable when you've got robots picking lettuce, you know, you, you need robotics engineers to be running those robots. And, uh, you know, the, the intent is to make food more accessible and more affordable. So having, you know, multi-million dollar robots picking heads of lettuce doesn't necessarily bring the price down. So, um, you know, we've seen a lot of, a lot of failures, all those failures are advancements, they're innovation. They lead us to where we eventually will get to. Um, but our view on it is to be much more community focused so have smaller much smaller versions that you can handpick um everything and and you don't need to be an agronomist to be able to run and they're affordable and profitable um and then we you know our difference from the containers that are really the only other guys that they're doing that right now is that our building and everything in it is designed specifically for that purpose we're not trying to retrofit an existing container to turn it into something which has you know all sorts of inherent problems it's not quite the right dimensions it's not uh, insulated properly all of those sorts of things so right so you have this new project you're kind of like starting starting from the from ground zero again and you're discovering or rediscovering new challenges right 
Yeah, hundred percent. I, I mean, I'm not. I, thankfully, I'm not totally ground zero. I've I've uh, I've joined a team that has been at it for a couple of years, and they've they've spent a couple, you know, three years now, really putting together the best suite of products and systems for for maximizing um, yield and minimizing energy inputs, and and really making sure that this is accessible. And you know, they're very authentic in their desire to you know eradicate world hunger um you know i know of course that's a giant mission statement but you know it's something to strive towards and uh you know start locally by looking at food scarce regions uh you know the 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 northern communities that we have in canada um remote and island communities um you know those those places that have a lot of food miles and transportation to get uh food to them um or don't have access to the right growing conditions year round so we're just, you know, creating opportunities to to overcome some of those challenges. Yeah. And so as I understand it, like part of your challenge is that you've put a lot of energy, you and your team have put a lot of energy into developing the product, but you're like the, the world's best kept secret in this in this area, right? Yeah, that seems to be my lot here is that I'm always feel a bit like the world's best kept secret. You know, I, I work a lot and have for the last 15 years on trying to make the best product that tells the best story, um, you know, about social and environmental compliance. But we spent so long actually building up the product and trying to make it exactly what we want and, and trying to make sure that, it, you know, it's doing the least amount of harm possible and helping as many people as possible that we don't spend a lot of time on the marketing. Um, and that's, yeah, it, it's, it's a trade-off it shouldn't be, but it is for some reason. I guess we, you know, um, I, I've done a lot over the years and, and brought partners in who, you know, we're just all about sweat equity. You know, we want to work really hard. We don't want to get really deep into debt and owe people and then have some board of directors that's telling us what to do that doesn't follow our mandate as a company. So we've always, you know, been been very careful about how the the dilution of equity happens. And as such, we probably haven't had the funding to be able to really focus full bore on on marketing. Um, and that's been a challenge. And it's one I, you know, I still struggle with, or, you know, uh, I'm not, and I don't love social media. I don't love I don't love the marketing side of it. So um, I just want to do what I want to do and, and I want to help the people that I can. But of course, you're limiting the number of people you can help if you have no way to reach them. And so you're now facing this issue of like how you cut through the noise, right? Yeah. Because again, now yeah, it's yeah. more than ever. There's so much out there, so much noise out there. And how yeah, do you I mean, get your your message through? With with ethical profiling, when it when it's when we started, and, and Econic, which is our you know our domestic sustainable apparel uh, brand as well. Um, you know, when we started, there weren't there was no B Corp. There was no for-profit social enterprises. There was no really force for good business was just starting. So to cut through the noise was just to have a really unique and compelling story that people connected to. Um, and that we had and still have. Um, but now there's a lot of companies that have that story or similar stories, which is fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that that we're at the the forefront of a movement that I think is 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 really good is is that business for good is is the way that the direction that we need to go. But of course, you know, cutting through the noise becomes more difficult because there's more companies that are telling similar stories. So, you know, to say like hey, we support this or you know, uh, 
part of the you know proceeds of your purchase go back to support that or you know we're working with organic or recycled materials or or it's domestic and sustainable or fair trade there's it's much easier to do that now um so the yeah, question, as a story, that's kind of a commodity these days, you know, yeah, everyone's trying to do that either in earnest or um, as a gimmick. Well, which is that's problematic in its own right, of course, you know, the greenwashing has always sort of been around, but I, I would say that it's now it's at a at a higher level because some big companies that I won't mention are, you know, are greenwashing to a much larger um, larger level, I guess. And, and they they have the marketing dollars to be able to spend to say, look, we've gone green. And it's like, yeah, it's 2% of 100% of your program is now. I, that's a big, big cry out to say we've gone green and change all your marketing to that when it's only 2% of a garment or 2% of your company, you know? Um, but and but trying to trying to fight through that noise against someone like that is is really, really difficult. You know, they've got the opportunity to do standard advertising, you know, billboards, uh, in-store. I mean, if they've, if they've got brick and mortar, then they've got in-store opportunities to, to, to tell that story and brochures that are going out and social media icons that are TikToking about them or whatever it happens to be, you know, there's so much noise. And I, so tell me, tell me what, tell me what you, uh, you've been trying and, and how that's been, how that's gone. Oh, it's been absolutely disastrous for the most part, <laughs> to be quite honest. I mean, <laughs> oh, I, goodness. I, well, just because I, I'm not I'm not good at it and it's not something that I'm passionate about. And, you know, I've always chased what I'm passionate about. And then, you know, the success comes from 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 that, from, you know, being people are like, yeah, well, I can see that you're really honest and, and eager and, and, and thoughtful and authentic. And but when you do something that you're not passionate about, then it, it comes off potentially as inauthentic or you're not hitting the right market. So, you know, I mean, we've hired companies to do uh, SEO for us. We've hired companies to do um, social media, uh, look after our social media. And for the most part, it sort of falls a bit flat. Like it just doesn't reach. And, you know, part of that, and I, you know, now, you know, in terms of what I've learned about that, yeah, you know, uh, finding out really uh, drilling down on who your end client is, is super, super important, especially when you're trying to cut through the noise with marketing. There's always Absolutely. been a bit of that in marketing and being like, hey, know who your client is so you know how to market to them. But now it's not just like how to market to them. It's like what channels to use to market to them. Because if you're not a B2C, a, a business to consumer brand, like a direct to consumer, then a lot of the social media channels are probably not going to be that effective for you because corporate buyers are not watching TikTok videos to make their purchasing decisions for the most part. I, I mean, there may be some exceptions, but... For the most part, you know, you're not going to win uh, Coca-Cola's Olympic program because of a TikTok video that you put out or something. Or you're not going to, you know, end up working with the David Suzuki Foundation on their, you know, new new uh, supportive uh, fundraising program because of some Facebook uh, thing that went viral. Probably not anyways. Now, there are, of course, you can use those channels just to to show people some of the stuff that you're involved in so that it helps build your authenticity because people are like, Oh no, I can see we follow them and I can see that they're always involved in stuff. They're doing a shoreline cleanup here. And they're like involved in this, you know, a, a, a tech conference there or whatever, this sustainability, they're a speaker at this, you know, this um, event or whatever, those sorts of things. Sure. But if you're trying to directly advertise to them, 
it doesn't really work. Um, and, or at least I can't make it work. Uh, you know, I haven't gone the route of, of finding, um, you know, the, the, what are they called? You know, the, the, oh gosh, the, the, the people in, in marketing that are, you know, uh, influencers. Right. So that's the word I'm oh, looking for. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I haven't gone the influencer route. Um, because in part, because, Hiring an influencer almost seems inauthentic. You know, you want them to find the brand on their own or somehow reach them and then just have them virally say, like, I love this brand. Um, and, and it's not because you hired them. Um, but it's a sort of a, a chicken and egg situation because in order, in order for them to see it, that you'd have to be you have to get your message out. Oh, yeah, it's right? it's it's 100% then... a chicken and an egg. Yeah, no, it's uh, and. So, I mean, yes, I, I think that we could definitely do better. And uh, Jalen, if you have ideas, I'm all ears. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm always willing to try new stuff in that space. I've, I found LinkedIn to be quite good for me from a connection point because a lot of corporate buyers, you know, treat that as a business hub um, for being able to speak with other people in the space that are, you know, are understand and are their right supplier base or buy purchasing base, or at least people who are connected to their, um, their topic, um, right. in a very professional way. Uh, but some of the other social media channels, wow, I, a, I don't use them personally. Um, so maybe I just don't know them well enough and B, they either seem very contrived, which is something that a lot of people are familiar with. It's a topic that we've been discussing, um, or uh, they—they're really hard to just get to the right people. You know, my wife's the company. My wife's uh, my wife works for. They had some girl post something about one of their products. It was just they—they they don't do any social media. It was just completely random that this girl said, oh, I absolutely love this product. It makes my hair smell amazing and, and this. And, you know, I've been looking for something like this forever. And their sales went to the millions, like through the roof on one product just because of this. So the power of it potentially is huge. And I don't deny that. Um, but how to access it properly? Wow. I don't know. And there's a lot of people who claim that they do know and they don't. Right. So tell me a bit more. I, I know this is, these wounds are kind of fresh. So I, they're, they're, I understand. Right. I'm, I'm inflicting really them to... every day, Jalen. So they're, yes, they will remain. But tell me fresh. more about your pain, friend. <laughs> well, I, you know, I guess, I guess it's, it, you know, it takes a while. You know, I, I had an old boss, you know, many years ago who said, hire slow and fire fast. Um, and I understand, I mean, he wasn't speaking specifically about what I'm about to talk about. He was talking obviously just about HR practices and stuff. But when you bring on agencies and, and, and when you look at exploring to have people help you with marketing and that kind of stuff as well, I think you should probably follow the same principles, you know, um, to really do your due diligence to find out who it is that you're working with. Because A, if they're going to be speaking with your voice by doing any copy or anything like that, you need to make sure that that is consistent with what your voice is, um, or you're going to end up spending a lot of time rewriting copy and you're, you might as well do it yourself at some point, you know? And then the other part is like, do they, sure, maybe they understand the algorithms in some kind of social media, but 
are they reaching your client group? Do they understand your your end users? Um, or are they just a marketing company in general? In which case, that'll be great for some products and not so great for others. Um, so finding out you know, who their book of clients are and what kind of successes they've had in the past is really important because it's really easy to be sold on like, hey, you know what? We've you know raised all previous sales of our previous of our of our former clients and existing clients by you know five thousand percent. It's like, okay, well, if they only had six units of sales before they were hired in the first place, then it's not too hard to raise it by five thousand percent. You know what does that number really mean? You know, or you know our viewers per page or whatever has gone up by such and such percent. Well, unless you know exactly what those numbers are to begin with, those are great. You can put them in bold and they look amazing, but it doesn't really mean that much. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, depending on your business, again, mine being predominantly B2B is, is, is just sheer numbers of who you're trying to reach important to you? Or is it more about who you're reaching as opposed to quantity of people that you're reaching? Have you had, have, have any of the things that you've tried given you any success? Uh, yes. Some what are those sure. things? Okay. So definitely getting involved to, um, you know, be part of speaking engagements, uh, even unpaid speaking engagements. I don't really get paid for much of the speaking engagements that I do every once in a while. Sure. But being uh, a member of different industries is helpful, um, especially if they, as they relate to yours, you know, like we've got the BC apparel and gear association, um, that's a network of fantastic people who are really driven to improve um, the apparel industry right. in British Columbia. Um, that's your old business. I'm sorry. Right? That, that's that's your existing business, but for but for the uh, the food business. Yeah, food business. Well, so food business similar in that in that you know um, connecting with other people in the space, joining industry associations, so that you can share. You know, where we've been you know speaking with a, a group called Tech Alliance, and and they're in the agritech space and you know, they love what we're doing and they, they are happy to make an introduction to other people. And then those people are like, oh my gosh, that sounds great. We should introduce them to this person. So word of mouth is huge. It's always been the biggest thing for me. It's our success has come from word of mouth more than anything else, a hundredfold. Um, most of the clients I have, I have because other clients have, have suggested that they work with us. Um, and it's the same thing in in food and and food security is that you know we have a we experience success with one client they speak to another community and say hey you guys should look, have a look at this come and have a visit and then they visit and they're like wow this is fantastic where did you get this and then that again travels forward into word of mouth but it's a slow process uh word of mouth you know you're one unit and another unit and another unit which for food security is okay because they're big projects and, and and big products, but it wouldn't work as well in my apparel business because you don't want to sell one t-shirt at a time is a, is a bit of a slow, slow go. Um, but definitely creating uh, an atmosphere where people are talking about you um, and about your brand is, is super important, I think. Um, and what have you done? What, what have you done to do to, to support that? Do you, do you think of any key, key actions? So, the one that I mentioned for sure, join industry associations, um, yeah. join community uh, oriented associations or find a representative, you know, who will speak about and, and sort of champion your cause to be in different communities. Um, 
even access to funding, like when you're looking for funding, try and find funders that are connected to your business and not, not just to your ethos, um, although I think that's important as well. But once, you know, if you can find a funder that is, let's say, in the ag tech space, well, then they're going to have other contacts that might help you. And, and if you, you know, reach a hurdle, they might be able to help you over that because of the contacts that they have. Or, you know, we want to work with Indigenous communities is, is one of our big um, areas of focus of like who we want to help the most. And, and my um, partner or one of my two partners is uh, is is. Uh, has it comes from an indigenous background so she said you know i really really want to help these remote northern communities first and foremost can we make that part of our mandate and you know, of course the two greg and i said yeah absolutely well then when we started looking for funding you know raven capital is one of the first that we look to because they are specifically in that space so they say yeah you know, not only can we look at potentially funding you, but we want to make introductions, you know, we want to help you along the road. And, and then also finding funders that are that are consultants, you know, that can help you along and say stuff like, hey, I, I don't know if you guys need a CFO yet. Why don't you um, get a fractional CFO and, and so that you're not hiring someone on for, you know, a lot of money that you only need two days a week. Um, so we've looked at, you know, working now or we're just about to start work with a company called the Finance Stack that does fractional CFO work. So there's, there's, I, I guess, surrounding yourself with the right people who understand and appreciate your story and or are already in that business segment is, is huge. So it sounds like relationship, relationship, relationship. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, you know, I, I'm going at the 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 cutting through the noise a little bit differently now as well to come back to that um in that you know we hired kahani pictures um they are award-winning documentary filmmakers um we i want i want to have them tell our story for us and then we can cut that up and use it in different channels and that sort of thing but we'll be able to have a compelling narrative that explains the path that we've taken to get here and where we plan to go in the future and, and then you know, hopefully people will watch that and, and, you know, or snippets of it, and that will cause them to then go and watch the full thing. And then they'll say, wow, I really like what this company is doing and I want to help them. Um, and that works for both businesses that I have right now. I think that if we can tell a very compelling narrative about uh, food security and how important it is and, and helping um, build communities and helping train people in, uh, you know, that potentially are coming out of corrections or people who, you know, are are down on their luck and just need, you know, some help, uh, um, you know, getting out of, of difficult scenarios of, of impoverishment or, or, or such, um, you know, there's, there's opportunities where we can say, hey, you know what, we can train people into this space. We can create opportunities for them uh, to have viable incomes and to give back to their communities and to feed people. So if you can get a really compelling story built and then filmed and explained, then hopefully we can cut through the noise that way. Yeah, it sounds like it also be quite synergistic because as you're building relationship, you know, then people, people can then, you know, you get on their radar and then when they check you out, they get to hear that, that this larger story that they may have only gotten fragments of while they were in contact with you. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting because you know I'm a big fan of of, of B Corps and 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 
for-profit social ventures as well as not-for-profit of course but you know we're in the for-profit space though it's it's not as profitable as, as the one that doesn't have any social uh, uh element to it um but i i think a lot of those companies aren't known as well for their stories and what they're giving back as they could or should be um mm -hmm. and i think that that making sure that people understand why they make the choices that they do you know let's say a uh, you know salt spring coffee or something like that like why do they choose fair trade organic coffee grounds you know how, why is it that they care about knowing the community that they source from or you know there's tons of companies that are like that some there's very few that are actually sort of known and on the radar like okay we understand Tentree's story we understand Patagonia's story we understand you know there's a few that have that have really cut through the noise again to use that um because their story is compelling and they've they've done a really good job of marketing and telling it but for most of us in the space we haven't I hate to say it and and I'd like to I'd like to create a model that others potentially can use um, themselves uh, to help more people, um, to um, more consumers to better understand what it is that they're purchasing. And yeah. I mean, there's so much stuff out there right now and YouTube videos and, and social media and all that kind of stuff that, and people are tired of watching doom and gloom. These are all great uplifting stories that talk about positivity and, and community building and, um, you know, social venture and, you know, just helping people. And, and positive I think options if, for the if, future yeah yeah for sure and and i think it's inspirational for other companies to say I, you know what what we've been doing is not good enough Let, let's change what we're doing a little bit to be doing better to be giving back further um it's it's almost like uh like a challenge you know when you see that i certainly take it as a challenge when i see other companies that are doing something really compelling i'm like well can we do that why, why can't we add that to what we're doing is there so, and then it's just a matter of how do we communicate that? Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm excited to, to check back in in six months to a year from now to see how the progress that you've made in trying to actually follow through on this, on this vision of, of being able to like, um, have, have your story come through clearly and compellingly and, and comp compelling way. Um, and uh, because you know, this, as you said, this is a problem that's that's that many people, uh, many businesses deal with, and particularly in uh, in the impact space, uh, because you know there's so much so much passion for, um, um, put into the actual integrity of the product or service that uh, it's you know the whole marketing communication outreach piece is uh, yet another dimension that doesn't always get the attention that it deserves. Yeah, I think I think a lot of founders have, uh, you know, they're they're just in it. You know, they're working in the business. They're not working on the business as much. Certainly right. from a, from a marketing perspective, you know, there's so many people that I talk to, like me, that are just like 15 years later. You're like, yeah, I'm I'm still I got my elbows dirty. I'm right right in it, um, and it yeah. doesn't it doesn't give you the space to take a step back. I mean, you and I have spoken about this in in other topics, you know, and it doesn't yeah, yeah. give you the space to step back and be like, okay how my job at this point or pretty soon should be explaining to people what it is that we do and then hiring people to get in, in, in the dirt with me, you know, yeah. um, so that we can, we can create more positive change. 
Exactly. Well, and as you know, like this is like this is kind of like what my my passion is to help owners and keep keep players in business get out of the, the get out of being a bottleneck so that and being able to work strategically in the business. Um, well, we all need and, your help, man. And and you know, like you yourself know, it's not always that easy, right? It's not that easy. It's it's yeah. not that easy. It's it, and uh, you know, I think a lot, especially maybe in my experience anyways especially owners who are super passionate and have a you know some kind of social or environmental cause they we have a really hard time letting the reins loose at all there you, you just, go you know yeah you're like i don't want it to veer off a different course it's like it's yeah, going yeah, i yeah. need to make sure it keeps it stays true and uh, true to my own ideology and 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 true to its mission statement yeah absolutely well, Kemp, I I so appreciate you taking this time and you know the to share you your this story that's fairly fresh and fairly fairly tender right now, <laughs> and as I said, I'd love to hear about uh, how this how this evolves in like, six months, six to twelve months, and um, see what additional nuggets that we can we can find and share. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today, Jalen, and um, I'll be following your your uh, journey as well, so I can learn from from others that you speak with, and hopefully uh, help me to overcome uh, current and future challenges. Absolutely, thanks so much. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified when new episodes are released. If you've created a business that's a force for good and you'd like to share your story of challenge and success, go to questio.us slash podcast and click on the share my story button.